Hey Rick, would you like to coach more efficiently, be more athlete-centered, led by data, and get some awesome results? Oh, yes. All right, well then Coach Tools is the coaching platform for you. Coach Tools is a coaching platform with all the necessary coaching tools in one place, from planning sessions to caring about your people. It is an easy-to-use platform for coaches, head of coaches, managers, and directors with an athlete-centered approach. With efficient digital tools, you will save your time, improve the quality of your work, and enable you a way to succeed. Rick, why don't you go ahead and tell all the listeners all the benefits they'll get by signing up with Coach Tools? Well, first of all, you will be much more efficient with your practice planning because you can plan it within a couple of clicks. Then um, you can be proactive for your athlete overload with exertion follow-up. Um, what is also very, very beneficial, and that is actually my favorite part about Coach Tools, that you can build closer relationships and better trust with them and get and give feedback through an athlete-centered coaching approach. That's the hallmark of Coach Tools. Um, you understand much more better their moods, their expectations, their values and goals, because after every game, after every practice, they fill out the very, very simple questionnaire and communication is so, so easy. And you can set up cheats and you can set up all the goals and you can follow it up, you can follow it up very, very quick, easily. And then um, this is also very valuable benefit is you enhance the learning of your athletes. You can illustrate drills, content, uh, tactics with the drawing board and you can store it at all one place and you can access this all the time you can share it with your club you can share it with someone else with other coaches and then um, all the information are always available for athletes and the coaches just one click and it's very easy um, it's very easy designed on on top of this there are many many more valuable tools which you can explore when using coach tools yeah, so as Rick said, there's so much more that you can do with Coach Tools. And, and all of our listeners can get a 20% discount on their first year subscription. All you guys need to go is to go to www.coachtools.net. That's www.coachtools.net and click start free trial and just mention that we, we brought you there from the Coach of the podcast. All right. Let's jump into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Coaches Road podcast presented by Coach Tools. We are back from a summer of not doing anything. Um, I know, Rick, you were working, but I was just visiting family and stuff like that. And I'll say that I was on the ice last week. Um, and my feet hurt this week because I took so much time off. So, um, yeah, but anyway, Rick, how was your summer before we jump into today's episode? Oh, well, my summer was uh, really, really good. Uh, I think uh, it was very, very nice to be able to uh, spend time home in Germany. I wanted just wanted to say home in Finland, but <laughs> I'm not a Finnish <laughs> citizenship. So, yeah, it was very, very good to spend. I uh, was uh, three months in Germany. Uh, that was very very good time uh, there and uh, as you said i was working a little bit and uh, now i'm very very excited uh, that uh, i'm very happy that we can continue with the podcast and um, i just moved same as you i just moved to norway and uh, so far everything is uh, very very good i think it's uh, where we're living it's a beautiful location and um, i'm living very very close to my both of my rings uh, because I'm as I said I, I will work for both for two clubs so I think it's a very very good location and I'm so far I'm I'm very happy but let's see how things will develop in the future and uh, yeah I'm excited that we keep on going with the podcast uh, how was your summer overall yeah it was good it was a lot of fun um got to got to go to some cool places and, and see my friends and family and uh, kind of take a little bit away from coaching which was kind of nice for a a mental reset before starting the new position here in Yar. And uh, like you said, I'm, I'm really excited to be here now um, and, and get on the ice with the kids, meet the kids, meet the other coaches uh, and just get started again and get go get the podcast going again. And, you know, just a, a quick note about the podcast logistics. Uh, we are both in new places, new apartments, new rinks. So there might be a, a couple bumps here and there as we get used to our new surroundings um, with the audio and, um, you know, my my apartment isn't the most soundproof and things like that. So you might hear some, some background noises a little bit more than 
um, used to, but that's just kind of us getting figured out, you know, what the best way to do this stuff is now in our new spots. Um, but yeah, anyway, I'm excited to get going. So let's let's jump into today's conversation. We have on uh, Steve Thompson, the USA Hockey ADM manager for goaltending. So he's in charge of the the management of the and development of the goaltending program in the U.S. and in charge of the player development, the coach development, parent education, uh, and everything that kind of goes into goaltending. And we talk a little bit about how he's supported in that role with, I think he said like 453 uh, people placed around the U.S. with affiliations, clubs, things like that, um, that kind of help spread that message of goaltender development. Um, but yeah, really interesting conversation and really looking forward to, to having Steve on the podcast. Yeah, also, um very very happy that we had steve thompson on the podcast because we were talking about a very long time to get a goalie coach or goalie coordinator on the show to talk a little bit goalie coaching because i think um, it's a very very essential topic and yet uh, we are all not or at least i am not very very competent in goalie coaching even though now uh, we are coaching for a little bit but um, it was definitely very valuable to get to know something that is possible to implement easily in your daily coaching in terms of a goalie perspective. And I think it's a very useful and very valuable information, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. So let's not keep anybody here any longer. Let's kick it over to the main episode with Steve Thompson, the, the USA Hockey ADM manager for goaltending. And I uh, hope everybody enjoys and I hope everybody has some, some action items to take away from today's conversation. All right, so now we would like to welcome on Steve Thompson, uh, USA Hockey's uh, regional coach in charge of goaltending uh, development. So, Steve, uh, first of all, thank you for being with us here on the Coaches Road podcast. Uh, first episode back from the summer. We're excited to get back into it. Um, but how are, how are things here in Colorado Springs right now for some meetings in the Five Nations tournament? So how is everything near the, the end of the summer here? Yeah, thanks for having me. Everything's been great. It's uh it's been a wild one this summer. We've had a lot more international tournaments than traditionally with the women's worlds getting canceled and then we hosting that in June and then the world junior redo going on now. And then we've actually got the women's worlds coming up in Denmark. So we've got three additional tournaments that are coinciding with all the other programming that we traditionally have. So it's been, uh, I think I've spent about five days in my bed since May and um, just coming, kind of coming on the tail end here. So looking forward to that, but all good things. It's uh, much better than two summers ago when we were home every day of the summer. So we'll, we'll take it. Yeah. yeah you got to make up for all those airline miles you missed the last couple of years. Um, exactly. But we always start with like a, a little bit of background. So you're you're working at the national office now for the, the goaltending stuff. But where did you come from? Like, where did you kind of get started in coaching and and get started in the, the goalie coaching and Kind of how has that developed to your, your current position now? Yeah, so everything started for me in Anchorage, Alaska. Um, non-traditional hockey family. My parents didn't play. My dad was in the Air Force and got free tickets to the Anchorage Aces, which was the local pro team, and um, decided, heck, let's go to this thing. We got free tickets. Why not? And fell in love with the goalie from day one. Brian Renfrew was the goalie. He's now a scout with the Winnipeg Jets. And he was the first star of the night. He had 50 saves. He had the cool you know, paint job on the mask and, and all that. And was like, I want to be a goalie. That is awesome. And, and that's where it all started for me. I remember putting on, you know, pillows on my legs and watching NHL tonight and pretending to be Dominic Hossack. This was in the late nineties. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I knew I wanted to be a goalie from day one and, and, you know, that led me into my playing career. And then after playing, got into coaching and, and it's been kind of all things goaltending from the moment I, I got those free tickets. So it's a, it's been a fun road. Uh, so you mentioned that you have been passionate about goalies since day one, since you since you watched hockey the first time. And uh, I want to ask you, what do you find so passionate about goalies and goalie coaching in general? Yeah, I think it's the attention you get. Um, you're you're really the one person in that crease, and the whole crowd's either cheering for you or booing at you. And I think um, I've always just enjoyed that center of attention, feeling the amount of control you have good or bad it just feels like a lot of pressure and a lot of um 
just a lot of responsibility more so than when I tried other team sports growing up and other positions within those team sports. I think I'd always just kind of gravitated towards that impact. Yeah. I, you know, it's always interesting to, to listen to hockey coaches and just kind of comparing, you know, the view of a, a player and someone that's background is in just playing as an outfield player versus a, um, a goalie who has history and playing goalie and coaching goalies and things like that. Because, you know, a lot of the times goalie coaches seem to talk about goalies as, you know, like they're part of the team. They're either, you know, just another player on the ice, but then sometimes, you know, these, uh, the coaches that only have experience as a player, um, they, they don't talk that way. They kind of see it as almost a completely different sport. Um, do you get a lot of that? Like, do, do you, do you understand by what I mean there? And, and kind of, can you, maybe do you have any thoughts on like where does that come from what is that kind of what what do people see as the difference between you know why are people saying sorry this is the first episode bat so i'm rambling but you know why do people say that it's a completely different sport to play goalie even though you're on the ice you're wearing the same jersey and everything like that yeah i'm actually leaning more towards it being a different sport than of the mind that it is just the same thing. I think if you look at the physiology of the position, the challenges of the position, your requirements, it's very different than when you're a forward or defense, even as simple as yeah. just the muscle groups that you're leaning on and the athleticism that it needs. It's, it's quite frankly, very different. And even, even the pressures in a lot of ways, very different. So um, I think the more that we've learned in the past five years about player centered environments and player centered learning, I think we'd actually gravitate towards it being different more so than, you know, it's hockey. Everyone's a hockey player. You learn the same things as everybody else. I think that's more of an old school approach that's easier to teach. You know, if you've, if you've got a shorter staff and it's harder to be player centered and really give every individual what they individually need, then, yeah, let's go with the blanket statement. But I think if you've got enough people pulling on the rope and you can look to what each individual needs, then you will find that it requires some different teaching methods. It requires some different attention. Um but with that being said, how do we create a culture of team and not have our goalies feel like they're different so that they're, you know, juggling instead of doing the team stretch or doing a video session with their goalie coach instead of, you know, being with the, the group? I think we do need to balance that because they are teammate at the end of the day and the best teams win regardless of the individual skill. And so it's how do we give them what they need to be successful, but also give them that sense of team so that they're a good teammate to their, their buddies. Uh, speaking about, um, especially you were mentioning here that goalies, they have totally different um, skills they need in the game, for example, than forwards and defensemen, for example. And this is also something I've been, um, I had in my mind also very often that, for example, and I think this is also, uh, this also concerns me because I, I really need to say I'm, I'm not very competent uh, with goalies. Uh, so I think, uh, and I think there are a lot of other coaches uh, who feel the same way. Um, I think uh, they're uh, and overall. Then um, my to simplify my question very very much is that um, for coaches like me who are not so competent uh, in goalie coaching, how do you can actually um, help the goalies uh, to become better if you don't have access to a goalie coach? I always ask coaches, you know, when you're identifying what you're trying to work on with your forwards and defense. You know, what's your process look like? Do you identify a problem first and then work backwards as to how that problem started? And I, I, most of the time I talk to coaches about it, they don't really recognize the process that they go through because it's so natural to them. They played the position. They recognize that the gap was wrong with the defender. They can easily identify that issue. They can figure out some solutions to that problem and they can teach it in a more simplified way for their athlete to learn it. And I find that if they use that same rubric, but just apply it to the goalie position, that they're equally as competent with doing that, whether it's, you know, depth management. To me, that's the same as, a gap for a defender. They might not know why they know, but the goalie's way out of the net, too far, backdoor play, net's wide open. They can see the goal went in. They can work backwards as to maybe why it went in. They can talk to their goalies about why it went in and, and then ask their goalie, if you could do it again, what would you have done differently? Now all of a sudden they're coaching. They don't really know the details, but their goalies do because their goalies have played for a long time potentially, and their goalies might have solutions from other goalie coaches they've worked with. So I always encourage coaches just to, work backwards, think about what the problem was, work with their goalie, ask questions as to what the goalie thought went, went wrong, and then work together with that athlete to build a solution. Um, 
you know, and again, if your goalie's been playing for a few years and has a private goalie coach or has had goalie coaches in the past, they might already have solutions to that problem that you can work with. You can take some notes, and then when you see it next time, maybe you're providing that. But I do think that, you know, for coaches that know how to teach and, and know whether that's any sport or hockey specifically, they've got the tool sets to help. They just need to ask some questions and apply themselves to the position a little bit more than maybe they do now. So I, I like the point you just mentioned there about the difference between like teaching and, and almost kind of forgetting that the goalies exist, that they're different, you know, different kind of skill set, different physiology and things like that. And, and I think that's a really valuable point, like just as a coach, being able to say to a goalie like, hey, I'm not I'm not as experienced as you are with goaltending training. You know, tell me a few things that you want me to look out for here and, and um while, while we're doing this drill, while we're doing this activity or small area game or whatever it is. And, and I think that excites the goalies as well. You know, it gets them thinking about, okay, hey, this is the setup. This is the shot that's going to be coming in this drill. You know, okay, my hand should be up. I, I should be in a good set position. And I can tell my coach this. And he can start to look at that and start to involve the goalie. And I think uh, I read it in one of the articles that you were interviewed for on, on USA Hockey's um, website. And you were mentioning about, you know, if coaches should provide cues for the outfield players uh, in a drill, in a game, or whatever, they should also think of some cues to uh, tell the goalies and involve them a little bit more in, you know, the explanation of the drill, explanation of the game, and things like that. So I was wondering, you know, what other kind of tips or suggestions you would have for their practice, their um you know, creating drills, creating activities. What are some of the things that they can do to think about the goalies more and include them more in the practice? So I would encourage any coach to take a bronze level goalie coach certification because that's really going to give them the baseline on a lot of the details that I'll share briefly here. And anybody can access through, through the general coaching clinics that USA Hockey provides and you can filter it to the bronze level clinics. And then all those are going to be posted on September 1st. So anybody that's looking to take those you won't see anything until September 1, then you'll see all of them. And there might be some ones that are added late, but for the most part, all the clinics that are going to be held through the calendar year will be posted on 9-1. Um, but we talk about the six fundamentals of goaltending in those clinics, and that's kind of a nice foundation for coaches to lean on. So number one is stance. You can identify a healthy stance for your goalie, then that's no different than any other sport, whether you're you know, doing a back squat. You, there's an optimal position for your body to be in, to be powerful, to be mobile, to be agile. And from there, skating, there's an optimal way to move. And then from there, positioning, there's an optimal spot to be in. Then to save selection, there's a save that's going to help you make the save one, but then retain the save or put it into a safe place. Uh, next is going to be rebound control. Again, how do we manage that puck once it gets to us? And then lastly is recovery. How do we get back into that you know spot to restart that wheel? And, and you can kind of see – at some point, one of those spokes is going to break on that wheel. You may let a goal in, and your first instinct, let's say it goes in top corner to the glove. You think it's hand-eye training. So you're throwing balls off the wall, and you're catching the ball just fine. And you're thinking to yourself, well, heck, why the puck keep going in? I seem to be seeing, all right, I went to an optometrist. I can see I've been throwing balls off the wall, playing catch. I can catch. But at the end of the day, if you weren't in the right spot, then if you're you know three, four feet off your angle, that net's wide open. Your arm is just not long enough to catch that puck, regardless of how you can visually track it. And, and so again, you can kind of diagnose the wrong problem if you're not looking at it from that kind of holistic approach. And, and so that's why we always encourage our goalie coaches and our goalies to, when that puck goes in or maybe a rebound goes out a way you don't like, look at your stance. Were you in a fundamentally sound position to start that allowed you to move? And then look at your movement. Did you shuffle instead of T-push? Did you butterfly slide instead of stay on your feet? If that wasn't the issue, were you in the right spot? Were you on angle? Were you square to the puck? Were you at the correct depth for the situation? And again, one of those spokes is going to break. Identify that. See some patterns. And if you're no noticing that maybe your stance is just too wide, your feet are way too wide, you can't move laterally, and that's causing all of your other issues from there, then maybe we don't need to look so much into positioning or, or skating. Maybe we just need to get your feet a little bit more narrow. That's going to allow you to be a lot more powerful that's going to fix a lot of those other problems that maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves and trying to fix. I think this is a, the, what you were providing is a very, very useful. I think uh, also for, especially for me, because uh, goalie coaching is something that uh, is, is a, 
as we were discussing, uh, it requires totally different skills. And I think uh, the information you were providing are very, very useful. I think uh, I can incorporate them easily, especially talking about like stands and uh, optimal made to move. And I, at the same time, I think these are also good points uh, in the game to think about uh, how, you, how we as coaches, if we don't have a goalie coach all the time on the bench uh, to give feedback uh, for the goalie during the permission and uh, asking him about uh, stands and all. All the other features you have been mentioning, I think, uh, again, this is uh, very, very useful what you were providing here. And I have uh, one other question, um, because everyone speaks about um, where the game is at, for example, from a player's perspective, and where the game is going to be uh, within five years. This is always a very hot debate uh, among coaches. So I want to would like to know from a goalie coach perspective, where do you think is the game right now and where is it going to evolve in the future? Yeah, our game right now is, I mean, I guess every, every generation probably feels this way, but I feel like it's a little bit old school. I, I think the the thought that you have a starting goalie that's going to log all the minutes for the, your team, the thought that you're maybe even going to play one goalie for the entire game, I would consider that to be more of an old school approach. And I think in the future, and I'm hopeful in the future, that we're going to see goalies turn more into like pitchers in baseball, where you're going to see them maybe play half of a game or maybe just a period and maybe you'll have your starter, you have your mid game and then you have your closer. And I'd even love it if we had kind of a song that, that closing goalies coming out and we're playing the closer song and he comes, you know, <laughs> skating out of the ice and he pitches a shutout in the third. Um, but I, I just think from the wear and tear on the body, much like we saw with pitching counts and, and pitching issues with the shoulders and the elbows with pitchers, we're seeing a lot of the same things with the hips and the knees and the goalies. And, you know, I, I think we all know it, but we're, we're kind of afraid to change and, and, but I do think down the road we're going to end up seeing this piece where mentally and physically it's going to be healthier for a goalie to log less minutes and but be really good in those few minutes that you get. And I'm hopeful that's the way it goes because I do see way too many hip surgeries in teenagers and young 20-year-old athletes. And at the end of the day, that's not normal. We shouldn't be seeing surgeries on humans at 18 years old or multiple hip surgeries at 18 years old. And yeah. so I, I do think it's important that we that we talk about some of these things and that we provide some solutions to these. And then on the mental side of things, too, you know, there's it's a lot of burnout. And, and I think the old school approach was you got to man up. You got to be tough. The best goalies in the world can log an 80 game season like Martin Brodeur did. But there's a reason there was only one Martin Brodeur. And could we have goalies that are much more successful if they're only asked to play 20 games a year? And they're, and they're okay with that. And they're mentally prepared with that. And I'm just, I don't know baseball well enough to know what that transition was like when they were playing full games all the time and probably playing full games and every game all season long. And I'm sure that was frustrating as that transition took place, but now it's just the way baseball is and nobody even bats an eyelash, no pun intended that, you know, baseball's changed that way. So um, I think that's one small microcosm of some bigger changes we'll see down the road with the goaltending. I think that's very, very, thought-provoking and uh, I think uh, that's something uh, I've, I've never heard this perspective before and I think it's uh, something uh, I think it would be very uh, f actually exciting to see what kind of influence this would have on the game and also on the mental physical side on the goalies you have been saying and I just want to follow up just asking a very quick follow-up question on this um, is this something you would like is this something you mean until the professional level so until NHL, SHL, all the uh, Liga, all the top leagues in the world or is this something you speak about junior specifically i think humans are humans i know that we talk about age appropriateness a lot and you know we, we get into these arguments all the time where it's not even necessarily age sometimes it's skill level it's like i understand why at 10u that we would have goalies switch at the halfway point of periods because it's mentally healthy for them but not when they're tier one 10u like the best athletes in the world don't need this kitty stuff or you know the junior goalies don't need this the pro goalies don't need this and I completely disagree. I think it's, it's a taxing position. It's really hard. There's a reason why it's so different. There's a reason why there's not very many people that, that do this and apply themselves to it. And if we can create a better environment for them where maybe they're not tasked for as long with these stressful situations, maybe we'd have more athletes that played it. Maybe we'd have some of our top tier athletes you know, that tried goalie and stayed with goalie, maybe we'd have better goalies if, again, more people sampled it and stayed in it once they sampled it versus, versus you know, I think today's mindset is if you're the best athlete on the team, you need to be the centerman. You got to be the forward. You got to score all the goals and be the athlete instead of in some other countries that have had more success. If you're the best athlete, you become the goalie. 
And I think that's something that at least, you know, in North America, we struggle with is getting our country's best athletes to put on goal pads and play goalie for ice hockey, as opposed to playing other sports or playing a different position within our sport. That's interesting because we talk about like switching positions and interchangeable hockey and, and things like that all the time with outfield players. Like I'm wondering what are your thoughts on trying goalie and when should that, uh, when should athletes start to specialize as a goalie? Because, you know, we, we talk nowadays that, players should be playing pretty much every position up until, you know, 15, 16 years old and still getting that experience everywhere. Uh, what, is, what is your thought for goalies? When, when should they start to specialize in that position? I completely agree with that. I think the hardest part about the game, in my opinion, is play reading. And the only way to be a great play reader is to understand the game at a deep enough level that you can anticipate what's coming next. And I think when we specialize specifically in goaltending too soon, you just see the game from that one perspective and it does lead you to have great skills. You can skate better than your peers because you've been doing it longer. You can get in a position better. Maybe your reaction skills are better, but maybe you can't think the game as well as that other athlete that played multiple positions longer and played other sports longer because you've developed a more broadened athletic perspective. And, and I think those are the ones that actually end up elevating amongst those that look great early because, again, they have more time in net. And naturally, you're going to look better at being a goalie the more you play goalie. But I don't think we recognize how that hinders our ability to anticipate what a forward's going to do. When you've played forward, you know how hard it is to shoot a puck on your offhand. You're going to, you know, maybe get there on your feet and, and because you've been in that spot. And if you switch that same thing for a forward, when you've played in net for long enough to know how hard it is to make a specific save, maybe you shoot that puck in that situation instead of hold on to it because you just know how hard it is to make the save instead of being the forward that all you do is you look up. If you see net, you shoot. If you don't, you pass. But, you know, another thing you'll notice often is a lot of goalie coaches have brutal shots but can score all the time <laughs> because they know what areas are a great location to shoot at, even though they've got a muffin. And so I think yeah. there's a lot to that where, you know, you can learn a lot about the game. So uh, we, we always encourage at the 8U level, everybody plays every position. It's past the bag. You play every position often. At the 10U level, we're hoping that a few kids still enjoy goalie after getting that 8U experience. So maybe it's five or six kids that still want to do it. Never discouraging someone from continuing to play. As many kids on your roster that still like and want to sample goalie, please let them. Don't let the rules and the restrictions get in the way of that. Um, but we do find at about 13, 14 years old, that's where you do need time. You do need specific yeah. time to become the best and, and appropriate age in our mind where you can sample other sports, you can sample other positions leading up to 14. And then when 14 hits, if you want to make this a career and not just a passion, then let's dial in. Let's, let's make sure we're spending a little bit more time in that, working on some specific skills, knowing that they have that base because they did play other sports. They did play other positions leading up to that. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. So when you when you go into, you know, that specialization period, that 14, 15, 16, and you're starting to, you know, put a lot more time into a lot more practice. Um, I have a question going back to a little bit what you just talked about with the, you know, hopefully maybe there's some sort of closer goalie in the in the future and things like that. And it's always interesting to me the the mental readiness of a goalie. So when you are starting to specialize you're, you're probably starting to get on teams with two or three goalies and and you're having to either you know sit full games on the bench going in for injury or you know splitting games if if you've got a, a coach doing that then you always have to be kind of ready so can we talk about the, the the mental side of goalie a little bit because it's it's a little bit different from the player's perspective where they're hopefully at a young age they're always playing and going every other shift or every third shift um what is that like and, and how can coaches that don't have much background in goalies help their young goalies understand you know hey how do you constantly be ready um and and you know hey you might have to go in at any moment so what what is it what what can we do to help them in that situation so first off are we strongly strongly encourage in youth hockey specifically no kid should go to the rink and not play hockey and no matter what level you're at, I mean, and maybe the one argument would be if you're in a tournament and there's multiple games in a day, let's say you're at the 16U level and you've got two games that day, then that may be a great opportunity for goalie A to play the morning game and goalie B to play the evening game. But if you're playing one game a day, please don't have your kids just sit on the bench with a you know clipboard and 
being a good teammate, quote unquote, like let them be a part of the team, let them get opportunity to play minutes. There was a big research study that was just recently done and it was about which goalies make it to the highest levels and what numbers that we currently track maybe predict their success. And save percentage was not a good predictor. Goals against average is not a predictor. The only one was games played. The more minutes you see, the better you get at this game. And so to us, it was just another indication that we need more teams that allow for goalies to switch at the halfway point of periods that, you know, play one period a game that go to the rink, play hockey every time their team goes to the rink. Um, so I would strongly encourage that to any coach. And again, at the youth hockey level, I think it's just unacceptable to have a kid go to the rink. At the higher levels, when maybe people are paying to watch your team play and there's a ticket and, you know, again, it's a job more or less than maybe it is time to learn that world now. But at the youth hockey level, when they're paying to participate, the families are, I think it's very unacceptable for a kid to not play and participate when you're going to the rink. Um, but yeah. it requires a mindset, like you mentioned, of these kids needing to be prepared to come in at the halfway point of a period. And it is different than the forwards and defense where they can turn a puck over in the offensive zone and someone can bail them out down the road and they can get away with it where goalie isn't mentally prepared and the first shot goes in the very heavy burden to feel. And I think that's, again, the stress that we need to be mindful of, because if you haven't played the position, you just don't understand what that weight feels like. And I think we all can understand yeah. that. Yeah, it's heavy because the team the scoreboard changes and the team gets frustrated and everything else. But again, it's one of those things that unless you felt that red light go on and you felt that energy of your team, knowing that you let in a soft goal and everything that comes with that, not getting invited to the sleepovers, not sitting in the cool corner of the locker room. There's a lot mentally that goes into this. And if you haven't lived it, you don't realize the weight of that. And that's where we really need to be protective as coaches and as adults to those pressures to make sure that it's age appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, um, you mentioned that because uh, like the every kid that goes to the rink should play. And, and I, I just want to mention Rick and I are both now in Norway. And Rick, I don't know if you know this, but you actually get an extra point in the standings at 14 and 15 and under if you play two goalies in the game. So you can actually get a minimum of 20. I think I my 15s play 22 games. So if if I split my goalies in all 22 games and I lose every game, I still end up with 22 points in the standings, which I think is pretty cool. Um, Interesting. But I think it's it's their way of incentivizing that, like, hey, if you bring two goalies, you play two goalies. Um, and I'm not sure if it needs to, like, hopefully it's not like one goalie can play 40 minutes and the other goalie can play five minutes and you get a point. Like, hopefully it has to be relatively even. Um, but But going to that, like, what what should goalies be doing on the bench? Like what should we encourage them to do? Because I feel like, you know, if we are splitting time with the goalies and let's say we're just splitting, you know, splitting the game in half or even the periods in half, what, what can they be looking for on the bench? What can we encourage them to be doing on the bench? Because, you know, a lot of the times I think goalies, little, you know, little kids that aren't playing, they have a clipboard in their hand and they're marking tallies of shots and stuff like that. Like, is that good enough to keep them engaged in the game or, what can they be doing from the bench that will maybe help them understand the game a little bit better? The older ages, I always tell the goalie to make sure that they're looking at the personnel on the ice. Because, you know, hopefully again at, you know, 14, 16, 18, new hockey, they're going to be going in at some point if they're on the bench or they just got out of the net. So, you know, managing the game and at the higher levels, they're going to have to understand what the other team's power play is. They're going to have to understand what players on the ice are really a threat versus a playmaker. And I think if you encourage them to start thinking that way, then they're going to start to do it naturally. And again, the world's best know exactly who's on the ice. They know which lines one, which lines four, who's likely to dump, who's likely to shoot, who's going to be the guy on the PP that they got to watch for. And I think a lot of times at the youth level, the goalies just go in there and they just stare at the puck the whole game. Wherever the puck goes, they go. And all they're worried about is being in front of the puck. And the goalies that are playing longer and make this a career are anticipating where the puck's going next or anticipating where the shot's going to go or reading the release of the shot. So I think you can get a lot more out of the game by them being more thoughtful about what they're tracking. To me, just tracking shots, that's just kind of like what a team manager should probably be doing. It'd be nice if the backup goalie could be focused on a few different things and the coach can kind of cue them up on, you know, I want you to identify who's getting the most shots on the other team or what hand the shooters are on the line. So when that backdoor play is made, you know if it's a righty or a lefty just because you know the line that's coming out. Um, but at the same side or other side, maybe the younger levels, you don't want to make this a job. 
it, maybe it's fun for them just to be a cheerleader for their team, like be the energy guy. We want to make sure that every time your team comes off the ice, they know they did a great job. If somebody scores, let them know. If somebody makes a good defensive play and they come back to the bench, like you're going to be the juice. You're going to be the guy that gets everybody fired up. That's your role for the next 20 minutes before you go on the ice. Um, and everyone's going to have a different role. But I think teaching those skills are important because likely they're not going to play every minute and they need to know how to contribute to the team when they're not on the ice. I think what you were just mentioning uh, is equal to actually uh, players' game sense, what we talk about also quite often. I think this is, uh, goes into the um, direction of goalies' game sense and for them understanding the game and really anticipating and really understanding what you were explaining as well, who is a threat, who is a playmaker, who can score at any time. And uh, speaking about scoring, I think this, is, uh, this, is, this, is, this should be a very natural topic to any coach for, for any kind of sport uh, where two nets are to nets on the playing field so um, and i i really i really like talking about scoring and i just wanted to pick up uh, uh, pick up your mind uh, on scoring from a goalie perspective uh, how do you see uh, the topic scoring in general first of all so scoring threats is that oh, yeah, scoring, yeah yeah just in general scoring threats you can go wherever you want to and then we will see because you can go in so many different directions what's yeah. your you can phrase it differently what's your vision about scoring from a goalie coach's perspective from all the analytics we've looked at and a lot of things that we stress, uh, low and across is the best way to score. Get close to the net and get that thing to cross the middle of the net. If you can do that, the puck's probably going in the back of the net. I think the other issue is always going to be screens and tips. Just make sure that the puck is going to be blocked by somebody on the way to you. If you have to cross body shots are always great. Like If I have a defender and I'm trying to teach them how to score goals, I always just say, look where the goalie's head is and then shoot the other direction. doesn't even matter if there's much net there. Just the fact that they're going to have to look through a body while tracking it, that contributes to rebounds, even if it hits them. That contributes to that seeing eye puck that we all think is so lucky. I think there's a lot more than luck that goes into that. It's putting it into an area that's hard to see. And sometimes that's not the area that has the most net available. If the, goalie can, if the net's wide open on the glove side and the goalie can track that puck all the way to their glove on the way there, they're going to catch that puck at the higher levels. There's no way they're bobbling it. If there's no net on the blocker side and they're looking over the glove side shoulder, there's a lot of opportunity for that thing to find a hole because they move into that space, not knowing necessarily where they're going. They open up something, it hits them, it bounces out. So I think that's one area for scoring that uh, you can kind of lean on your goalie coaches to, to pick up some more scoring techniques. Um, and then I think the other area that's really hard for goalies is post play. There's a lot of decisions that need to be met at the post. So getting that puck to the goal line, getting them into that kind of decisional point. Usually it's roughly the bottom hash mark is where these goalies are trying to decide, are they going to get into an RVH? Are they going to get into a VH? Are they going to get into an overlap? That's a tough time for a lot of younger goalies or less experienced goalies to know what they're going to do. And if you can shoot the puck or pass the puck right at the moment that they're trying to think about that transition, you can catch them off guard. And I think that's where you see a lot of those quote unquote bad goals going in from low sharp angles, whether it's a top corner or a, a rebound or, a, you know, they get frozen outside of the net and that back door plays way more wide open than it should be. It's because that play was made right at that decisional point. And although it looks like an easy goal, there was a lot going on in that goalie's mind. And that's what made it so hard for them to read. Obviously uh, you were describing some um, different scenarios and um, every scenario is always going to happen based on what's going to happen in the game. It could be a cross, it could be a, a low to high, it could be a tip in all these kind of different things. But um Based on, for example, the scenarios, how do you actually prepare the goalies mentally that uh, even though it's going to be a very, very difficult, uh, uh, the safe is going to be probably very difficult because it's a cross play and uh, it's just a bang, bang play and then the puck is most likely ending up uh, at the at top shelf or something. But how do you actually prepare goalies mentally? There's still a chance that you can actually make the safe and what are actually some uh, feedback you can provide for goalies. So actually they really have this chance to learn to make the save in a difficult situation. So I like to break it down with the goalie and, and depending on how their age and their skill level is. But most of the time, again, I think at the higher levels, the hardest part about it is just the read. If you do a backdoor pass option and the goalie knows every single time they're going to pass from A to B and it's going to be a shot. 
90% of the time they make that save if they know that's where the pass is going. They have the physical capability of pushing that far, of pushing that fast, of getting into position and making the save. What makes that hard is when they don't know the play is going back door. All of a sudden they, they bite on the first fake shot and then they have to butterfly push after dropping initially. So I think step number one is if the goal goes in, then, then bring it back to practice in a more controlled environment and just run some patterns of the same exact play set where they know what's taking place. And if they physically can't get there, even though they know that's what's happening, then that's an opportunity for us to work on the foundation, work on their power, work on their edge work, work on whatever their depth management to get them to be able to make that save next time physically. If they can do it 90% of the time when they know what's happening, then that's a cue for you that you're physically capable of this. Now what reads do we need to make next time to anticipate it? Because clearly you can get there. So it's not a matter of if, it's when, it's how. And, and again, that's where it comes down to reading the stick language, reading your defensive pressure. Like, is that even an option back there? Should we even be worrying about that? Or is your defender taking it? This is a team game. And I think that's where that team element comes in. And so again, if you figure out that physically they can do it, then let's work on the reads. Let's work on working with our team. I'm going to stop that shot on the strong side. Defenders, don't even worry about that. I've got that puck. You need to make sure that puck doesn't get across because I'm not going to be worried about that backdoor play. I'm only going to be worried about the strong side. Um, or, you know, it's different ways to go about it, but physically figure out, can they make it? If they can, let's work on the reads. If they can't, let's work on the physical side. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry. So that has me thinking because, you know, USA Hockey has come out a lot with um, the idea of the constraints led approach in their in their clinics. I believe it's in levels one, two, and three now. Um, I'm wondering from a goalie's perspective, when you're thinking about a goalie drill, uh, you know, whether it's skating or, you know, a save drill or anything like that, how, how much does the same idea of the constraints led approach apply in those drills? You just mentioned about the reads. Uh, if they know it's coming, they can make the save a little bit easier. So how do you add in that kind of uh, realistic kind of game element into your your everyday goalie drill, if you if you understand what I mean there? For sure. No, I think that's one of the biggest problems we have in goaltending is that many times the goalie training is one coach and three goalies or you name it. And there's no options for reads because at the end of the day, I can't be in two places at once. So I can't fake a pass and then shoot and pass it to my other version of myself, you know, at the, on the dot line. So a lot of the issues we run into is that it has to be a pattern. I have to have a goalie T push off the post to me. And then I have to shoot because I don't have any other options to make it more game-like. So I always encourage goalie coaches to get shooters out there, to get defenders out there. You know, what makes this game hard again is the reading. Don't tell your goalies what's happening. Make your drill simple enough that they don't need to know anything other than stop the puck. And then your job as the coach is to create those patterns of passing, shooting, so that they have to read when it's going to be a pass. They have to read when it's going to be a shot. And we need to control that environment enough that they get enough repetition. So if I'm really trying to work on that post integration and the decisions made on that post, I need to make sure that I'm not shooting a ton from the point because that's not the point of the drill. I don't want them just to be seeing point shots. I want them to be making decisions on that post. So you almost need to be the puppeteer with your shooters and you're making sure the shooters know I need you to get to this post and then I need you to make a decision on either passing to the back door or shooting on the short side. And if you mm -hmm. see that the goalie is excelling on that short side save, then encourage that shooter to pass it more often to the back door. If you've seen they're struggling on the post save, maybe don't have them pass to the back door as often because you really want to see these kids work through that challenge of that post save. And so I, that's where I really see the future of goalie coaching going and in coaching in general is you're creating this environment that's going to produce decisions. And it's your job to find enough variance in those decisions that it's game-like, but enough consistency in those decisions that they actually get some meaningful reps. And practice right now is just too varied. you got one kid that goes bar down short side high. The next guy goes five hole. The goalie never gets to work on that short side save because there's so much variance in every single shot. There's not enough repetitions. So we have to find this balance of getting enough repetitions for them to learn but enough variance for them to not know what's coming next. And that's the, the really the challenge of coaching. And also in terms of um, you are describing, for example, or giving examples um, for goalies going from post to post. And um, obviously you need to, um, to go from post to post. You were also mentioning uh, during the conversation and that uh, goal, goalie coaching is on in, in general, the position of playing the goalie is uh, physically different than the position of playing, uh, being a player on the ice, for example. 
so I, I just would like to uh, understand uh, from your perspective, what are some very, very, very essential um, physical aspects in order to play goalie? I think flexibility is an obvious one that's very different. You know, normally your goaltenders are much more flexible than your forwards in defense. So that, that's an area that's going to be great for being able to make that abnormal save, but also injury prevention. The goalies that are more flexible put themselves less at risk of injury when they do you know, end up having to make a big time save or somebody falls on top of them when they're in a butterfly position. There's a lot of injuries that take place. But for those that are more flexible, it takes less obviously tension on, on the muscles and the tendons and everything else that ends up getting destroyed. So that's an area that I can't stress enough for our kids. Um, and then I would say again, as much as there is variance to what they need, it's still a baseline of athleticism and strength that they need. So I do encourage a lot of these goalies that at those younger ages, you know, those developmental years, your job still is to make sure that your core is strong. It's your legs, it's your hamstrings, it's your abs, it's, you know, those lower body, that's going to be your prime movers that you need to develop strength in. And then as they get older and they've developed that base, then you can work on some more unique things, whether it's the lateral bounding or, you know, the, the quick stops and starts in a much more anaerobic than aerobic, you know, and again, um, if you just look at the work-rest ratio for goalies, if you looked at the explosiveness needed for those short, quick bursts of speed, that's different than maybe the, the player that's going to be you know, sprinting down the ice. Yeah. That's, and that's where, again, I think if you, if you look into strength conditioning, they would train a basketball player very differently than the hockey player or than a mm, right. gymnast because right. the work-to-rest ratio and the anaerobic versus aerobic exercise that's required to be successful is very different. Mm. And that's where I do think if we're going to take this one step further – we probably need to look at these things for positions and find out that, you know, maybe the bag skate with the goalies isn't really that representative of what we're trying to actually do in that, you know, granted bag skates are kind of old school and we're probably not seeing a lot of that in general, but at the end of the day, the conditioning that's required is going to be different. And why would we want our goalies to waste time and waste energy on that conditioning that isn't actually going to be representative of what they need to do in net. And again, when you're short staffed, it's hard to have a very unique plan for everybody yeah. on the team. But when you have the staff and we still see teams at the highest levels that have enough hands on deck to do it the right way, that's where it is kind of disheartening to see that we still do this blanket approach that's easier when you don't necessarily need that. All right. So, Steve, that, that brings me to something we were just talking about before we started recording. And, and you were telling me how over the summer you had some conversations with, um, I'm oh. sorry for getting his first name, but Magnus from um, Sweden. And he has a similar role with, with the Swedish ice hockey federation that you do with the u.s federation so uh and how he kind of approaches it from a top down so they get their their top clubs if i'm remembering correctly their top top guys to do it and it kind of floats down into the um into the youth levels into the grassroots level so can you talk about that and kind of how you know how that's kind of changing your thinking and and kind of how you kind of want to go forward with those conversations yeah so one of my favorite parts about this job is the networking that we're able to do and the platform it gives you to speak to other goalie coaches across the world and this summer i got to work with thomas magnuson at a global goalie retreat and we just talked shop about what he does what i do what his visions are for swedish goaltending and one of the things that he mentioned that was really impactful to my vision moving forward is he tried the same thing that we're trying currently which is this bottom-up approach where we're going to try and hit the grassroots and we're going to try and grow the base and that's going to filter into the highest levels and he didn't find a whole lot of success in Sweden in that. And so he kind of flipped the script and they went from a top down. So now his main focus is, can I get to the SHL? Can I get to those top junior leagues, get buy-in from them, get them to be a good role model to the base. And then they will then start to see what they're doing well. And it just really hit home for me because, you know, for the last you know six years now that we've had an ADM goaltending manager, we've really focused on the base and we've tried to create leadership within the local organizations to help grow but the problem we've run into, and it's the same thing Thomas said, when you look up and the highest levels of hockey aren't doing what you're trying to do, you lose trust and faith that that's the right thing to do. Because we always look at the NHL, we always look at the junior levels, we always look at the tier one levels. And as much as we preach we should have goalies switching or we should have players playing out all these other things, if they turn the TV on and there's one goalie playing every single night in the NHL and they're, they're going to think that that's the best way to do it because that's the highest level of hockey. And so Thomas has done a great job in Sweden and getting buy-in at those higher levels to promote the right way to teach. And then the people at the lower levels trust the process because their heroes are doing it. 
And there's actually, you know, similar to what you guys mentioned with Norway and the point system to try and help encourage more goalies playing, there's actually fines in Sweden. If you don't have a goalie coach, your team gets fined and you have to pay the federation. If your goalie coach on your team doesn't have the highest level of goalie certification, your team gets fined and has to pay the federation. And those are things we currently aren't doing here, but we always are frustrated with how few goalie coaches we have in the NCAA level. We're always frustrated with how a lot of junior teams still don't have goalie coaching. Maybe it's worth looking into seeing, would it be a model for us to find these teams if they don't have a goalie coach? If you're considered the America's best junior league or college league, and this is the American development model is to send our goalies to your teams. I think there's a lot of validity to maybe you should get fined if you don't have a goalie coach in 2022. This is really not a, you know, a novel concept any longer that we probably should have a goalie coach on staff. So I don't know if we're quite there yet, but I would love to get to a place where we at least are providing resources for these teams to make sure that we do have goalie coaches and potentially finding teams down the road if, if they don't comply. But I know that USA no. Hockey always has a hard time mandating things, and, and I've never heard of finding a team for anything and, and kind of the culture we've created here. So that might be a bit of a stretch to start, but I think at the end of the day, the message to me was get your country's best to do things the right way, and then everybody else will look to them and, and listen to them as opposed to no. getting the base to do it and hoping that the base will will, will bring it up. Yeah, and really make sure that like there's no players left behind, whether they're – you know playing forward defense or goalie and I, I i i like that idea and i'm, I'm glad you said it because it's, it's really frustrating sometimes to to know you know kind of what we know about youth level sports but then the top level sports is doing something you know completely different and that's all that people look at so um we do have you know one final question that we we ask all of our guests actually i have two final questions one's really quick um i just want to ask you know you mentioned earlier the the closures in hockey and, and the song so you know, it's two to one going into the third period and, and you're you're about to go into the net to, to close out the game for your team. What what song is playing when you when you get on the ice, Steve? I think uh, Money for Nothing by Dire Straits, that guitar riff right in the intro. I'd love to be bursting through the yeah. the door for that song is uh, I was getting ready to pitch the shutout and get the win for sure. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, all right. And then our, our final question for you, and this is something we ask everybody, but just what is your kind of final message, final thought, um, any final tips you have for for the coaches out there? We're not just, you know, a hockey coaching podcast, but obviously we're talking a lot about hockey today and, and goalie. So what what's kind of your final message, final tip for, for coaches out there that are just trying to do better for their goalies? Just take that step. Please, when you're thinking of your drills, think about your goalies with intentional drill design for them. When you're giving cues, remember that there's some kids in pads and if you want your kids to underhandle the puck and play, make plays with their heads up, then talk to your goalies about, you know, maybe making saves at the top of their crease or doing a shoulder check to the back door before they make the play. Just remember that there's kids there that play that position and that we need to give them as much attention as everybody else on the ice. And, and again, it's harder to remember that when you didn't live that world, but everybody who played the game knows hockey well enough to know a few tidbits and if you don't ask your goalies when you're designing that drill go to them and say what makes this hard what what about this drill is challenging what things should you focus on with this play set and let them come up with it and then again yeah. that, that you can ask a lot of questions and at the younger levels they might not know as much but they still might give you an answer and um and then again take that bronze level coaching certification course reach out to me through email I'm always happy to to provide some resources. We've got a lot of great people. I guess one thing I will say is that we've got 453 goalie representatives across the country that are appointed to either oversee a district or an affiliate or just, you know, kind of help out. So odds are no matter where you live across this country, we have somebody in place that can help you locally. So ask us, go to usagoaltending.com, look at GDCs or the goaltending development managers. And there's a list of everybody where they're located, what their email address is, um, and there's resources out there. I think you just need to know to ask and then and apply yourself to it. Great. Great. Well, um, Steve, thanks for putting up with a couple novice goalie coaches like Rick and I. Um, I'm sure it wasn't the most engaging goalie conversation you've had, but uh, it was it was fun for us and it was great stuff for us. So thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, no, you guys are rock stars. I'm excited to see you know the next national camp when we run into you guys running some goalie drills in practice. It'll be a dream come true for me. So <laughs> Yeah, I'm – 
I'm signing up to join Goalie Nation for those camps next summer. There we I go. I like uh, it. That's what I yeah. Awesome, fellas. I appreciate the time. So thanks again to Steve Thompson for taking the time and joining the Coaches Road podcast presented by Coach Tools. It was very fun to kick this the podcast after the summer break finally off again uh, with Steve and to talk a little bit about goalie coaching. And we hope that everyone who has been listening until here has been found the information as valuable as we found them. And uh, again, it was amazing to talk finally about goalie coaching because we have been talking about it for such a long time that we've actually want to have an episode about this and i hope this was not the last episode about goalie coaching because uh, i just feel like that i've started to actually learn something about goalie coaching uh, in general and how to actually involve goalies a little bit more uh, into your thought process and into practices so um, the first thing i would like to kick off is that um, I just would like to go through the fundamentals for goalies again because this was so useful and the way how Steve was phrasing it that you can use them at any time uh, to actually provide feedback for the goalies and actually not just uh, having the goalies there and the goalies just in the game or in the drill or in the activity or whatever but you actually with those fundamentals you can ask questions based on the fundamentals I think it's very very useful for example such as things i've uh, things like safe selection in a situation where you have an activity where you work on scurrying and uh, then you can ask your goalie for example why did you make the save this way so even though you are not um, so competent and goalie coach but uh, i think then it's something that uh, you can use to provide more feedback uh, for goalies or something like uh, optimal positioning rebound control stance optimal way to move recovery all these things are very very useful and i think it's um super convenient to actually implement this into practice yeah i would agree and i think like we were talking about it after the podcast ended with steve like that their goal is to create conversations that provide people with action items you know people like things that people can use and um i know that you know, like you know some of our audience isn't hockey coaches but I think that that can be used for, you know, any sport that has like a, a, a different position. Like I know in soccer, there's a goaltender, um, you know, in handball, there's a goaltender and, and some other sports, there's some goaltenders as well, or, you know, positions that are a little bit different and, and just being able to, you know, step outside of your comfort zone, like being a coach, you probably have some background playing that sport in a certain position. And so being able to step outside of that comfort zone and be able to you know, involve everybody in your team with your feedback, with your cueing and things like that. Like, I, I think that's the biggest action item I got from Steve today. And I'll say that we recorded this on a Wednesday night and on Thursday morning, I was working one-on-one -on -one with a goaltender and I, I just, I, I asked him, you know, and he, he was one of our older goaltenders at the new club. And I asked him like, Hey, take, take it. Like, what do you want to work on today? What, the, what do you want the drill to look like? And then I just performed the drill and, and, you know, when, when I could see that he let one in that he was kind of, you know, upset about or wondering why I, I would go up and say like, Hey, what, what happened there? Like, why'd that go in? And, and just trying to use that piece from Steve that, you know, I don't need to know why it went in to, to ask him what his thoughts were and get him to think back on, you know, what, what could I have done differently there? Could it have been the stance? Could it have been the, the skating, the, the save selection, the rebound control, anything like that. And, and I, I, I felt like I was doing a much better job than just shooting on a goalie and, and, you know, just shooting to warm them up. And I probably wasn't doing that, you know, well in the, in the first place. So I, I think that that was the first big action item from, from the conversation today with, with Steve. And I think, you know, it, it, we got into some really interesting areas and I, I'm really glad that, you know, we didn't, um, or that we were able to go all over the place with him because, and he was just, you know, willing to and able to just answer whatever questions we threw at him about goalies because it, it it worked out really well because we like like you said we're we're pretty novice with the goalies we don't really know what we're talking about yet which which we are we're hoping to to change and learn more but um you know like really interesting getting into the early specialization for goalies and and having you know a, a, an expert opinion on that you know and and like challenging us to 
have goalies play you know not goalie maybe for longer than you would expect and um and things like that and then now that's going to be something that we have to then challenge our clubs challenge our teams to say like hey you know maybe they shouldn't be playing full-time goalie at under nines under tens under elevens uh and maybe it should be a little bit different and i think we we did get a lot of uh, action items out of that i would say yeah 100 percent um a lot of action items and other part of the conversation i've enjoyed a lot is um especially when he was speaking about uh, his vision about goaltending where it's right now and where it's going to progress in the future Ed, i think uh, it was something i did not expect at all because he was saying that uh, technically that um, one goalie in the game is a more or less an old school approach um, and that he would like to see in the future at some point that uh, you start with a starter then uh, you have goalie in the middle coming in and, and then and you have a closer at the end so you have yeah. uh, technically three goalies playing one game and then the reason why he was explaining this is even more um, makes even more sense to think about because he was mentioning that uh, because if you play 60 minutes of goalie I have no idea how it feels like to play 60 minutes of goalie but you need to imagine that the goalie is 60 minutes on the ice and uh, maybe you have a game where you play a lot of defensive zones so the goalie is moving all the time and uh, there's a lot of um a lot of hips involvement uh, the all, all these kind all the all the kind of physical muscle groups that, that are dangerous for goalies more or less and uh, the reason why he was mentioning this is that he thinks that this was uh, would um first of all the goalie would be in a better physical chain shape they would be much more much better able to perform uh, when they play and um they would be overall they would be much more healthier from a mental and physical standpoint of view so i think it's a very very interesting viewpoint and a very interesting vision and let's see maybe at some point it will be picked up uh, i think definitely yeah. in youth coaching it's something that uh, can be implemented and it makes sure that actually goalies also share ice time and not uh, someone is taking all the time one goalie has a starter and one goalie is playing and you 14 the entire season and the second goalie is playing like a game or something uh, so yeah. i think this also makes sure that the goalies get to play a bit more yeah and i really liked the piece from from steve like when the goalie is on the bench and you know whether you're splitting periods splitting games however you do it um when the goalie is on the bench like how do you keep them engaged in the game how do you keep them learning and you know at the younger ages like steve said it can be you know just be a cheerleader you know high five your teammates um, keep them positive stuff like that but you know when they start to get older they can start to analyze the game more analyze the personnel on the ice so when they're in the game they know that hey when this line's on the ice there's going to be a left left hand shooter on the right side for a one-timer stuff like that like um i i think that was so interesting because a lot of the times i just you just i've done it before you know you hand them a piece of paper and say like hey count the shots or i used to have the goalies count the passes that we made which did not help them at all um and and things like that so you know that that right there is something that's so useful because you know a lot of the times it, it is just you just sit there and open the door or you just sit there and tally mark the shots that go against your your teammate or something like that and um yeah i, I really like the idea of, of having goalies that specialize in certain moments of the game and and have goalies that um you know, are engaged when they're not on the ice and, and, and being involved with the team and the process of playing the game, even if they're not on the ice the full game. And one one thing other that, like, that we talked about in the episode for me that was really interesting was when we were talking about the constraints-led approach with goalies. Because when I look at a lot of the goalie drills that I've seen and a lot of the ones that I've done, you, you look at the, you know, just the shot and, and it's just coming from the same spot all the time. The goalie is expecting it and they know where the puck's going to go. They know where, you know, what they have to do to make that save. And it's really mentally, I would say, mentally simple for them. And I, I think that that idea that you want to have the balance between quality repetitions and the goalie not knowing what's coming is, is really important um, for the goalie's development. Because, you know, if you just do a drill where you shoot from the top of the circles 10 times in a row and then you switch over to the other top of the circles and shoot 10 times in a row you know what are you really um getting there and and what are you really trying to develop for, for the goalie and things like that so uh, a really 
interesting take on on I would say that um, goalie drills are are probably the most I don't know they're so interesting they're the most like blocked drills but it's just kind of accepted that they are blocked drills kind of thing. I'm not, I'm not sure if that makes sense, but. Yeah, and they're very challenging to design because yeah. uh, as Steve was mentioning as well, how do you can um, create like a scenario where the goalie actually has to save a puck that is an unpredicted puck. So I think that's uh, something very, very, um, very difficult and challenging to actually implement so the goalie has actually realistic uh, saves yeah. in practice and can transfer that to the game as well but uh, from my perspective i don't uh, have anything to add anymore except from that i hope that we can keep exploring goalie coaching in the future because again i just feel that uh, from my perspective that i've started to actually learn something about goalie coaching and uh, maybe in the future we can pick it up again and have some other conversations about goalie coaching as well yeah yeah, well, if anyone knows any good goalie coaches out there, any good um, goalie coach developers or anything like that that we should get on, or just any recommendations for guests uh, that you'd like to hear now that we're back um, back on Zoom doing the podcast, uh, just let us know. You can reach us through our website, um, which can be found in the, in the show notes below. And thanks again to Steve. Make sure everybody check out all of the resources that Steve and the guys over at USA Hockey Goaltending have put together. Um, we, we've linked a few in the show notes and you can explore there from yourselves, uh, for yourselves and find a lot of really good resources for goalie coaches, but also just regular coaches that, that want to involve their goalies more. Um, and yeah, so thank you everybody for listening up to this point. Uh, we really appreciate all the support and we're, we're excited to be back doing the podcast. So we will see everyone next week with another episode of the Coach's Road. All right, bye.